BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Tuesday, November 28th starts now. On today's show, Ben welcomes back 20th Ward Alderwoman, Jeanette Taylor. The Ben Jarofsky Show is a presentation of the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. If you want to know what to do, where to go, what to eat, what to drink, what to wear to stay warm, because it's really cold. We know that, Chicago. You need to head to ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to find more Ben Jarofsky, you want bonus interviews, you want columns, you want even more, head to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V is in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Making Changes Tuesday, and here's why. Headline in today's Sun-Times says, let me get the paper here. I'm going to show my distinguished guest. I got the newspaper here, the real deal, the newspaper. You know, it's funny. I saw uh, Neil Steinberg made an appeal for a contribution to the Sun-Times, and he acknowledged, that's the columnist, he acknowledged that when he was a kid, he did. He was a reporter for the Sun-Times. He didn't subscribe to it. I've been subscribing to the Sun-Times longer than the people who write for the Sun-Times. I've been, I've been holding up your newspaper for years, bright one. You got to give me a hat or something. I don't know, like a, a coffee cup or something. They used to give out bags and, and, and gifts when you signed up. They used yes, to. they did. They used to. Uh, that's all the woman, Jeanette Taylor. They used to, Jeanette, they used to have coffee cups with the Sun-Times logo, and you would see the steam rising out of the coffee, and they called it the bright one, and now you nothing. <laughs> uh, anyway. Times here's, are hard, I guess. Times are hard. Here we go. The headline in the Sun-Times, Chicago changing its approach to migrant arrivals, and uh, it's all about how where the buses are going to land and they're going to build a tent, uh, big tent city. And guys, I just want to repeat what I've been saying for the last, I don't know how many months of a broken record. And I don't care. I will continue to spin this music out of this broken record because I, one day, one day the city will listen to me. Maybe this is not a crisis. This is an opportunity. Jeanette Taylor can tell you how many thousands and thousands of people were run out of Chicago over the last 20 years. All I've heard about for the last 20 years is people saying Chicago needs to bring back the people who left. Chicago needs to bring people in. You know, Chicago's population is falling and you drive through the city, you see huge swaths of land undeveloped and suddenly it's not even like 20,000 people come off buses. Chicago's like in a fetal position. I'm scared. I don't know what to do. Here's what you do. You build housing, and you put Chicagoans to work building that housing, and you get the feds to pay for it because the feds want to have their party in the summer, in August of 2004. President Biden's going to come to Chicago with Kamala Harris, and they're going to have a big party telling you why we should reelect them, all right? And wouldn't that be great if we had thousands and thousands of units of housing 
for not just the migrants, but people living under bridges who've been living here forever in the city of Chicago and put Chicagoans to work. That was embarrassing. Jeanette Taylor, you have not heard me on this subject. At the promontory, when the city had that public meeting and uh, Desmond Yancey was trotted out before people booing. What if they said, oh, oh, booers out there. How about this? City jobs right here. You could get trades, wages. We're talking $30 an hour, $40 an hour to go build some housing. Wouldn't, whoa, eyes blue. <laughs> Give something to the people of Chicago. Like turn this quote unquote crisis. Because we're thinking about today and not tomorrow. What's that? Wait, first of all, let me introduce her. She's a dear friend of mine and this show, Jeanette Taylor. Before the show, I was talking to her. Uh, and I realized I've known Jeanette Taylor for a long, long time. Back in the day, she was this shy parent. <laughs> she was never shy, but she would call me up, Ben, how do tips work again? <laughs> and I would explain that stuff to her like I explained to everybody. Now she's running TIF programs in the 20th Ward. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Welcome back, Jeanette. It's been way too long. Thank you, man. How are you? I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. And uh, that's, you know, that's, uh, I had a few ailments, but nothing serious. Touch wood. So, uh, you know, I'm still going strong. And then you've heard me on the migrants. Uh, I, I feel the city has completely dropped the ball. It's now two, yeah. two mayors have dropped the ball. Okay. So it's not we won't take the time out to use our best assets, which are all of us. Like you, it's fifty plus one. If we took, if we said, let's halt everything, and let's figure out what the problem is, what the solutions are, and how do we use not just us fifty one, but our community partners, organizations, philanthropy, everybody. It has to be all hands on deck for us to fix it. But we won't do that. We doing what we normally do. We put a band aid on a bullet wound, and of course, everybody is upset. Yeah. Folks who feel like they ain't listened to, they've been disinvested in or upset. Anytime you got the migrants fighting the migrants, we got a problem. Yeah. Well, we have a lot to catch up on. It's been a while since you've been on the show. I know you've been really busy. Last time I saw you was uh, this summer. Uh, You were so nice. You came out to a a first Tuesday that we did uh, uh, in Bronzeville. And you you didn't talk. You just listened. Uh, which uh, I, I enjoyed wait. it. I like being a participant. People don't know that because you learn it. Yeah. So I enjoy that, and I got to talk to you because that that can't stop. That those spaces are important. What you brought to the table was definitely something that doesn't happen in the city. You actually brought young people. So anytime you call, I'm coming. All right. Yeah, we had young people in the audience because we finally did. We did it at a, a art gallery. Uh, on yeah. yeah, right next yeah, to Mollison. So I was right at home. Uh, Mollison Elementary, uh, that is where a very young Jeanette Taylor, I don't know, went to a grammar school, that she I was did. a parent there. And she, you were in a local school council, weren't you? 23 years. 23, wow. Uh, and that's where Dorothy, that's where I first heard the name Dorothy Tillman. Yep. That's uh, she was causing heard. trouble. <laughs> <That's Molly. laughs> that poor principal was like, no more Dorothy uh, that's in the early 80s, Jen. I don't even know if you were around for that. I do. They got rid of Miss Stevenson because they said a white woman should not be over a black school. That was Dorothy Tillman. Well, you remember that. Were you a kid then? Or, I mean, I was a the- kid there, and I didn't understand because I like Miss Stevenson. I, I didn't understand race that well at that time because I didn't. People always say they don't see color. At the, as a kid, that ain't what I saw. I saw this woman come to work every day, 
and be engaged with the young people she was in charge of. And so when they got rid of her, it wasn't until I was older that I understood why. Well, uh, that's a whole other story. People, it sure is. They, they, uh, <laughs> we have we to go back in time for that. We one. have to go back into the uh, time machine for that one. All right. So we we began. There's a whole bunch of issues I've got here: migrants, budgets, uh, Alderman Ramirez Rosa, floor leaders, uh, and then TIF. And I really want to get to that TIF thing. We'll do the uh, news stuff first, then we'll get to the TIF thing. A little uh, mini civics lesson. Uh, Alderman Taylor said we're going to have on the show uh, mini civics lessons on how tips work and uh, how you can use them uh, in your ward, Alderwomen and Aldermen, so take notes. First, we'll start uh, with the migrant crisis. The the last time we were on the show, uh, you were under heat. People were yelling at you at meetings. Uh, this is where I really began to think the city had dropped the ball because uh, it was turned into a Black versus a Hispanic thing, which is That's always cool. here in this city. Uh, Jeanette, and you, your ward has uh, black people in it, white people and Hispanic people. So as an older woman, you got to learn how to get along with everyone one way or another and speak their language. Uh, And so why don't you give us the state of the state on where we are right now? uh, How much of an issue is this? The rivalry between blacks and Hispanics in Chicago has played out with this migrant crisis. Do you think it's overplayed by just a few people, or do you think it's got deep roots in the city that must be addressed? It has deep roots in the city. So the part of the ward that I represent that Hispanic is back of the yards, back of the yard in New City. New City is the name they give it, but it was Motown, if we're being honest. You know, when they want to gentrify something, they give it a fancy name like Bronzeville. It was called the low end when I lived there, but now it's Bronzeville. But at any rate, that community has always struggled with black and brown folks, and that's because there is no real leadership there on the black side to kind of convene that. And it's gotten better over the years. We still don't have, it's not perfect, but it's a work in progress. And so what I will say to the Woodline community is two things. Thank you. Um, that's number one, because what people don't know is they do donate coats. They do donate food. They do donate things to that part of the community. But there are also some give and takes. And so the part of the, the part that was upsetting was, A, the community nor how I had to say so about Wadsworth becoming a shelter. That's problem number one. And number two, when we were made aware of it, we said, let's put them in a part where they would be comfortable and where they could actually do some real growing. And that would have been in the back of the yard of the new city community. And I was totally ignored. But even bigger than that, none of my co-workers, with the exception of maybe three or four, came to my rescue. And so when you're under attack, you do what people are under attack. You get people off of you. And so a lot of things that were said and done with hindsight being 2020, I may have, and I don't take back what I said. I said what I said. But I did not want to create a bigger divide in the black, black and brown community. And we all have done that. Let me just say on both sides. Because what the black and brown, what the black caucus and the Latino caucus should have done as leaders of the city is stop everything what they doing, got in the room, and we hash it out. And of course, we don't do that because we too too busy trying to figure out who is the best, who is the greatest, and not even talking about the migrants. And so what people don't understand is they are just not Venezuelans or Latino people. We actually have migrants that are Haitian, that are Ghanaian, that are Nigerian, and a lot of them are in in South Shore, but I also have a big 
a huge building in my ward that's in my Inglewood part that are full of Nigerian and, and they are not even a part of any of the conversations. They're starting to be, we're starting to bring those organizations together to say that we they've been disinvested in too, but because we won't stop and just look at the picture as a whole, we keep piecemealing, we, we have created this mess. And so I don't blame black folks for being mad. I don't blame Latino folks for being mad. I don't blame Asian people for being, I blame us. We are elected to represent the people in our community. And at either rate, if we'd done this the right way, we wouldn't be here. And so I don't blame the people of the city, I blame us. And I blame both administrations. The first administration started the BS. The second administration is continuing there without us taking a real look. And you know my relationship with Brandon. I've known Brandon for almost 20 years. Um, I rode to the uh, Springfield with the brother. I rode to DC with the brother. So this is somebody that I call brother, but I don't respect his decisions right now. And I don't agree with them. I don't want us to put people in tents. I don't. Not when I got 3,500 vacant lots in my ward. Why not take that money and develop some buildings? But not just for migrants, for Black Chicago as well. Black Chicago has been ignored and they've had it up to here. They're tired and rightfully so. But how did I become the leader of a million men? This is not on just all the woman Taylor. This is on everybody that sits there. And if you saw my last speech before budget, I meant what I said. I'm sick of y'all. I didn't get here to try and fight against y'all. Right now, the right, the white are winning because we look like dumbasses. We look like complete fools because A, we're not organizing and B, we're not organizing together. The same thing we accuse the city of doing and working in silos, we're doing the exact same thing. And I'm not just gonna stand by and be a part of the mess. That's just what it is. And so you notice I've been very quiet, but that's because I'm in the community with my coworkers, which are the people that work in, in my ward office, and we are trying to figure it out. It doesn't have to be that way. It should be. And it's on us. Shame on us. We look like damn fools. Y'all wonder why our city is in chaos? Because the city council is in chaos. At any time, did folks... Uh... Ian, I can't hear you. I said, can you hear me now? No? Uh, hold on one second. Oh, it might be me. Yeah. Okay, try it again. Uh, at any time. Okay. All right, Chris, I'll just start here. One, two, three. At any time, after all the speeches you had to give in the city council, after all the emotional letting, after the booing, you weren't there, but the booing, you know, that Desmond Yancey had to deal with at Promontory. Uh, and that uh, other aldermen had to deal at other uh, venues on the south side. Did anybody, anybody from Mayor Johnson's administration or the Latino caucus reach out to you and say, what can we do? How can we deal with this quote-unquote crisis, which is not really a so crisis? So I will say Deputy no. Mayor Christina, we call her C CZ, she has reached out. She has do some work. What people, I don't think people know is Superintendent Snelling lives in my ward. And so during the summertime when me and my staff actually were out there trying to figure out how do we make everybody safe, the people in the community as well as the migrants, he was there every step of the way to figure out little things that we could do. Um, I was allowed to take community organization in my ward that work with black and brown people over the top to the migrants to see what some of the issues is. The food was horrible. 
They don't, they didn't have TVs. They have no entertainment space. They didn't even have air conditioning before I showed up. But those are supposed to be things that the old administration supposed to work out with me. And that's not what happened. There's not even protocols for what happens in these buildings or even at the police station. And so some of that work is starting to be done, but it's after the eight ball. Remember, I asked the last administration to stop. I actually tried to stop the $20 million that she was receiving in federal funds because I wanted us to stop and take a look. And of course, nobody support me. But then all of a sudden, I'm anti-migrant and I'm xenophobic and all these other words that people want to use to say to me, no, I'm honest. And because I could call out the side, I come from movement. You know where I come from. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little girl from the low end who just wanted to see better in my community. And so don't give me that I'm anti-anything because I'm not anti-anything talking about the people who are the imports. And see, we forget that. Everybody but the Indians migrated here. Me and my people, we imports. This wasn't our choice. And so the imports have every right to be pissed and upset because we're always being told to wait. But this is not a us versus them. They printed money for COVID. Why they won't print it for this? I'll wait. <laughs> and I got time today. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard I'll wait in a while. Man, I'll uh, wait because they full of it. They full no. of it. The governor and, and, and the president have a responsibility to make sure that they are working with us and not against us to fix it. Biden's things on immigration suck. JB's stands on immigration sucks. And throwing money at it does not do well. We throw it, yes, we, we, throw, we throw millions of dollars to it. And the folks who work in our communities are not seeing the benefits of that. They're not reaping any. Because I'm going to be honest, if some of these organizations, some of these folks were actually working in these spaces, it would be all this conversation. It wouldn't even be nothing to talk about. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. The, uh, the response, again, I'll say it over and over, across the board, federal, state, and local has been uh, abysmal, disgraceful. Uh, and not to take this moment in time as an opportunity, not to take this moment in time as an opportunity to put Chicagoans to work with good paying jobs, building things that we need, it is just a disgrace. And you know what, uh, Jeanette, I will say this in my humble opinion, uh, I'll go one step further. You said your black community has been ignored. I think it's beyond that. The whole program, and this is me speaking, not Jeanette Taylor, the whole economic development program of the last 30 years is to move black people out of Chicago. Absolutely. Okay. It is. So it's not ignored. It's right. It's, it's, proactive. it's, doing, it's doing what capitalism and white supremacy does. Yeah. And so there's always articles of black people moving to Atlanta. Atlanta is the new black capital of America. And, they, and people hate Atlanta too. It, it ain't no different. See, we're, I'm going to say this. The black community was rising up and what they did was through us Barack Obama. That's, let's call this what it is. You threw us Barack Obama to make us comfortable to think that you all were going to appreciate your racist ways, but you haven't. He got in office and what we didn't realize because we don't know civics, we don't know that he needed the House and the Senate to do anything and he hadn't either. And so, and we did not get together and do a grand ask. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to avoid, which we'll talk about later, is us getting in the room with those people who we know are going to talk shit, who we know are going to say what Black electors don't do. But get in the room and ask us, what is it that we should be advocating for? See, what they're afraid of is organized Black people. Who made sure Biden got in office? I'll wait. It's Black women. You don't got to wait. 
just 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 imagine if those black women all got in the room and said we're not moving our vote or we're not doing anything until we get this period what type of country would we have a different one that respects everybody and to the people that build this country for free i'm tired of being told to wait just like my community i ain't waiting no longer it's what I love about young people. They ain't scared of your dogs. They ain't scared of your water hoses. They ain't scared of none of your little rules. They break them all, and rightfully so. No, they do. That's uh, as an old guy, I got to tell you. Yeah, each succeeding generation, uh, there yeah. it's a fearlessness uh, that you don't see. Uh, and absolutely, uh, my baby boomer generation quit a long time ago. Uh, well, they pretty much quit as soon as the they draft started. Was it listen. Y'all honestly started it. You started it, and it's a fight that we got to let the millennials and the Gen Z fix. But we also, as generation, and I'm talking about Gen X, because that's who I'm going to talk about. We got a responsibility to help them fix what we fucked up. Yeah, you mentioned Barack Obama, and they gave us Barack Obama. Riff on they that did. a little bit. What, 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 get into exactly what you were, were So black people were starting to organize, to rise up, to say this system can't treat us that way anymore. And we thought the answer would be get them a black president so they could feel as if they have something. And what did Barack, what did he go into office and do? He did the bare minimum. But we also didn't have an ax because we assumed that he just was going to turn the White House black. As a black person and a black vote, and I said to them in this in the second term, and people got mad at me, and, you know, I didn't really care. It's not enough for you to be black because they are a bunch of black people in power who turn their backs on us and mistreat us and do the wrong shit every time. And so that's what happened. Uh, all right, let's uh, go back in to uh, discuss some of the issues that uh, we haven't had a chance, an opportunity to talk about because it's been too long since you've been on the show. Uh, we'll start with uh, what went down with uh, Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa, the mayor. Had, he had been the floor leader uh, and had been the zoning committee chair, and he stepped down uh, after he, uh, well, he admitted he bullied uh, Alderwoman Emma Mitts. Uh, everybody, if you want to hear another uh, version on this uh, thing, uh, Lakeisha Collins, the interview I did with her, I urge everybody to check it out. Uh, she had a lot of interesting things to say. Senator Lakeisha Collins, who out of nowhere texted me, just said, hey, I'd like to uh, talk about this. And so I appreciate uh, that tremendously, uh, Senator Collins. Uh, Jeanette, you were noticeably absent uh, on that censor vote. And I know there's a lot of backstory to that. So why don't you take the mic? And say whatever it is that you're gonna that you want to say to get off your chest. Go ahead. So I have not said anything because I didn't want to make this about me. This was about Emma Mitz, because this happened to her. But let's not act like this is the first time that Carlo Rosa has pulled this. He pulled it with me and Sue Garza in April, right before Mayor Johnson was elected. And it was around us organizing the committees and voting for our chairs. And as a person who really believes in democracy, and that's really progressive because see people throw that word around, which, but to them, it really means when I got the power, I'm gonna do what I want to do and I'm gonna mistreat people. And that's not why I'm here and I'm not operating that. And so when it was done to us, nothing was said. Go back to that April meeting right before the mayor got sworn in and it was done right on the floor. Everybody saw it and nobody really said anything. 
there were a couple of aldermen that kind of stepped up and said, hey, you can't make people vote the way you want to vote. And not only did he upset me that day, he also did it to Sue Garza. So this wasn't nothing new to me. And so when we let folks know that this is what happened, there was not even a conversation. He was allowed to do it. And of course, in the movement, I hate to say it, don't get me wrong. I'm from the movement. I love the movement, but we got some work to do. Nothing was said. It was swept up under the rug. And so when this happened, everybody to, had to, was trying to act like this wasn't his behavior before and that this had not happened before. That is not the truth. And so I honestly just wanted no part of it. I was re-triggered because what had happened between you and I, and this is the person that I'm supposed to be in coalition with. And my problem with all of this is, I don't care if you on the movement side or on the right side, wrong is wrong. He had no business using his seat to threaten people with what was gonna happen in the zone committee. Didn't Ed Burke do that for years? As the floor leader, you are supposed to bring us together to vote on things. And yes, you may be the floor leader to who is ever on the fifth floor, but your job is to organize around people getting votes. And the thought that you tried to a stop a meeting, the thought that you put your hands on her, the thought that you uh, that you threaten other coworkers says that you are not humble enough and that you are not responsible enough to be to be in that role. And that was my whole problem with this. And so I was re-triggered for what happened to me. And, and let me tell you this, and I'm saying this for the record, and everybody who knows me know I speak my truth all day long. I bit the bullet because we had a bigger fight ahead of us. This was when Brandon was in, Mayor, I'm sorry, Mayor Johnson was in the runoff. And so I will say he did apologize to me, but there was no real conversation about what he had done. And so the thought that you had all of these people who are supposed to be progressive come up and say, well, it's too much for him to lose his seat. It's, he's worked too hard. He knows better. A real leader knows better. And it's funny because before he got that role, I had people who I don't politically agree with say, why would they pick him? He doesn't talk to a lot of us here. And don't get me wrong. Alderman Rosa has done some good things as an alderman. He was the first progressive alderman. He's the first person to stand up on a lot of issues that were important to the movement. But if you fuck up, you find out. Mm -hmm. And so the thought that people did not want to have, hold him accountable and made all these excuses for him, it's BS. I call bullshit. And I did it on the call to people who I thought I was friends. And see, this is my problem with it all. Wrong is wrong. I don't care what caucus you're a part of. I don't care whose team you're a part of. I don't care who's side on your own. We have to hold our own account. And we can't be the monsters that they've been to us for decades. And that's not what I got into it. I didn't get into it to mistreat people and to say that now that I'm in power, I'm going to do this a certain way. No, I'm going to continue to do the job that I want to do. I hope that we use our power in a way that's smart, that allows us to get everybody in the city of Chicago who wants to do something with their lives, who wants to work these good city jobs, who wants to develop it. I hope we open up the doors to give them the opportunity to get all of this red tape out the way and for them to actually do it. And so I was hurting during this time. And so I didn't talk about it because A, I, I don't have to explain anything to anybody. And so the thought that people called me a coward and said that I walked out and I should have did this and that, y'all can go to hell. I, uh, don't take a fan or a glass of water with you. But at the end of the day, I'm picky about who I share with. And 
I just didn't feel like at the time that this was going on, this was about Emma Mitz. She was the person that was wrong. She was the person that we saw who was harmed. And that was her way of having some restorative practices. I do not blame her for not voting to censor him. That is not our job and we should not do it. And that's some bullshit. That's up to Carlos's community. They elected him. They get to decide whether he sit in that seat. And that part to me was wrong as hell. And I wasn't going to be a part of it, period. Uh, you said something. I wrote it down. I'd love you to elaborate on it. Uh, you said, we've got some work to do in the movement. Absolutely. What do you mean by that? A, we should not be on the fifth floor. And I'm speaking my whole heart. We, I feel like, and I've said this to them, and so whoever get the backlash, come on with it, because I'm ready for it. We were not ready because we haven't been in government long enough to know how government really runs. You still got Rom, you still got daily, daddy dailies people <laughs> still in these committees, still in these departments. Yeah. And so we got some uprooting to do. But we we just were, I felt like we not ready and it's showing out in the wash. I don't got to say it, people see it. And we stopped doing the most important thing that moving do. And that means organize. Ain't no way we're on the fifth floor and we having all these issues. And now they talking about he going to be a one-time mayor. Because we ain't doing the thing that we the movement does best. And that's to organize our people and get people to see the entire picture. Not the part of the picture or not a part of the conversation that they came in on. Half of the people that are hollering us that come to City Hall are not things that City Hall can fix. There are things that City Hall initiated. But they are not things that City Hall can fix. Why not take those people to the side and say, hey, how do we help you? How do we do this? But we won't do that. We're pretending like now we got the power that will show you how it's supposed to be done. And we look real stupid right now. Uh, and uh, have you voiced uh, these opinions uh, to your allies in the movement? And when you say movement, I'm, I... Right now, I don't have any allies. Nobody is speaking to me. Nobody is talking to me. There are a few people, but they doing me a favor, actually. All you're doing is teaching me to organize the people who will work with me. And right now, I'm just giving them some space because we cannot, we cannot say that we are the movement people. We are the left, and we do the same exact thing that the right is doing. I didn't get into it for that. And so I'm not going to be a part of some conversations. I'm going to be kept out of some of the loop of a lot of things. And I've said this to the administration. There were a lot of meetings that normally I'm a part of. I wasn't called to. There were a bunch of conversations that were had that I was not a part of. So you mean to tell me the one time that I disagree with y'all or the two times that I disagree with y'all, y'all cut me out. So now I know where I stand with y'all. So I'm going to do what normally I was told to do when I first got here. And I hate it. I hate it, which is to take care of the 20th Ward. That's not how movement is supposed to work. We're supposed to take care of everybody. We're supposed to make sure that everybody gets their just due. And that's not what we're doing right now. We're in a ball of confusion is what I call it. Because now we're forgetting why we even wanted to be in this space, where at least they are, I'm not. You mean to tell me the, the other lefties in Chicago, the other quote-unquote progressives, don't even call you anymore? No, they don't. There are a few. And I ain't naming no names. Because they'll probably get in trouble. <laughs> Listen, I don't care if they get in trouble or not. But see, no, no, this, get this is what I want us to go you. back to. When this whole migrant crisis started, yeah. nobody said nothing. So it's funny how the city forgot that this was not this administration's dog. 
the previous administration started this. I ain't see y'all tearing up her meetings. I ain't see y'all cussing none of them out. Nobody said anything when this was happening to me. But now y'all want me to be the shero. I'm not y'all superwoman. That is true. I'm not, I, wait, let me think about that. So uh, what uh, Alderman Woman Taylor is saying is that when Lori Lightfoot, just so everybody remembers, and people forgot, she was the mayor that you elected Chicago uh, the last time. And uh, when she was, uh, the, uh, the buses were coming in when she was the mayor, uh, her handpicked Don't chair. Don't forget the reason why the buses came in. Did you forget? Let me remind you. Go she ahead. told the governor of Texas to kiss her ass. <laughs> we remember that? Do we remember that? Yeah. Nobody remembers that, huh? So oh, nobody Lord. remembers that she oh, told Lord. the governor of Texas to kiss her ass. <laughs> he said, of course, suck it up here. But while I'm kissing your ass, take these buses. Oh, Lord. I, I, I forgot. <laughs> I know. We, oh, we my forget. goodness. Yeah, we forget. <laughs> mm -hmm, I don't. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. The situation began under her, but you're telling me that there were no people showing up at city council meetings screaming under her. None of that. Nobody so, said a word. Why? Why do you think they show up under uh, Mayor Johnson, but not Mayor because Lloyd? Because unlike, unlike her, he is having these community meetings out in the public. And even though people don't like what is said or feel like they're very, giving very little answers, she did nothing. She did everything behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. She made all of these deals. And now he's been made to show his hand. Like he has no choice but to say, this is what we got. This is what we got to do. And my whole thing is the state, no other federal government is really coming to his rescue, which is real fucked up. Yeah, I know but that. These will be the same people. JB will be running soon. How many of all them going to be standing behind him? They want to come here for the DNC. Y'all going to stand behind them. And they've left us to literally fight amongst each other and wait till the smoke clear, which is I BS. I wish the DNC was going to Atlanta. I don't even want it in Chicago. I'm not going to be gonna here. protest it in Akafoo if we ain't got it together. Well, and I'm going to just be sitting at home going, I told you so. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I don't even want it here. Uh, I don't think Chicago deserves it. That's number one. Uh, and number two, it's just uh, the way. And let me say this for the record. Yeah. We're expecting Mayor Johnson to fix decades of disinvestment and decades of things that have been wrong in Chicago in 120 days. Y'all are funny. And I said it in a meeting. They're going to want the black man to wave his magical wand and fix everything that's been wrong forever. And when he doesn't move fast enough, then it's going to be, he's going to be a one-term mayor. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting? I say this all the time on the mic, get your reaction to this. You just voted for the budget. Uh, the, the city council just approved the budget last week. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think, I should have done my homework. I do believe you voted yes uh, for the budget. Okay, yeah. I, I did my homework. I just, I forget it. I can't remember everything, people. It's all right. I don't <laughs> I was... remember everything either. Not with this job. <laughs> There's 50 aldermen, but I, I'm pretty sure you were not one of the what, whatever it was nine that voted no. Uh, and uh, I have to smile. My old friend Raylo was one of the nine who voted no. And Mayor Johnson has done more for the police than any mayor. I, I'll say because this because we're so we so me and my staff just had a conversation about this. Yeah. That's because where was all the organizing that we did when we that we normally do for every budget? 
wasn't no organizing, wasn't no conversation. Y'all just assume that because he's progressive and that he had these conversations pre, pre being mayor, that he was just going, no, you, the work does not stop because we got to, remember, we got 50,000 people to take care of his own. He has 500,000 or a million or whatever the number is to take care of. And so there has to be some balance. But where was all the conversation and organizing around the budget? Now, don't get me wrong. My groups came to me. The Peace Book was the biggest thing in my ward that young people wanted to see that they've been fighting for. And so that's why it got my yes vote. I wouldn't have wanted to give the money to the fire department based on the numbers of Black firefighters that are there. The police budget being inflated with, and it had some work to it. And so I don't agree because we continue to throw money at police. I understood that this new superintendent has said, hey, in order for me to do A, B, and C to get some of this down, I'm going to need a little more money. So it's funny to me how groups after the budget meeting, after the fact, come up with a letter. Yeah, no, That's I, the I, same organizing we should have been doing in August, in September, before the budget even started. Well, the point I was about to make is where all the people who said Chicago <laughs> would be a, a crime zone, that the police would quit in droves. Mayor Johnson gave the police a raise. Jeanette gave them a raise. Where's Paul Vallis to say I was wrong? Where's Arnie Duncan to say I was wrong? Where's the Chicago- not, it, It's left on the black man. It's, it's left on the black mayor. It, it, it's it. And literally, those other candidates was talking about triple it and try triple. This to me... And don't get me wrong, I don't believe in giving the poor, the police more money until there's some real reorganization there. And I feel like that's some of the conversations that happen under stupid Superintendent Snelling. He said, we're going to take these people off stuff that regular people can do. We're going to put them back on the streets. But you also heard him say, we're going to work more with the community organizations, violence prevention. Like there is a real plan. And I'm not speaking up for Snelling because he live in my ward. I'm speaking up to before him because A, he's from Chicago, and B, he's been the only superintendent that I saw that talked about how we can how we include the community. You haven't seen him push back on these community councils. He wants to work with them. Not ever has a superintendent said, I'm willing to work with the community and everybody who wants to work because this we're not gonna be able to police our way out of this. And so uh, I might not have liked it, but I understood. Yeah. Well, I I uh I just the last time we had a, a, a lefty black mayor was Harold Washington. Mm-hmm. And you were a, a kid at uh, Mollison. And uh, he was as good to the workers of Chicago as any mayor has ever been in the history of Chicago. And they still didn't, the white ones, still didn't vote for him. And then in the in the O's, I would meet a few of them, older guys, go, you know, uh, Benny, you were right. <laughs> Mayor Washington, we miss him. I go, oh, now you love him. Now he's been dead 20 years. And he tried to tell you, if you take care of the people, the people will take care of you. And we've forgotten a lesson. It's not going to take Black. It's not going to take Latino. It's not going to take Asian. It's not going to take White. It's going to take all of us working together to get a city that we can be proud of. And until we do that, we fooling ourselves. 
All right, before we get to our civics lesson, uh, let's just close down with uh, the, the position of floor leader. I had uh, former Alderman Rod Sawyer on. Uh, we were talking about what a floor leader uh, should do uh, in, uh, uh, in the city council chamber, the role he or she should play. In your opinion, uh, does the mayor need a floor leader? Uh, is there somebody in the council that you would recommend for that position? Uh, do you want the position? Uh, I'm kind of smiling when I said that because I, I don't think you would, but um, yeah, because uh, the floor and and so yeah, so your sense of what the mayor needs in terms so of so there floor. are two people. Uh, he definitely needs a floor leader, but the people that I would recommend, um, I don't know if I would be listened to. I think the two people that I think could fill that space, who would do it honestly, who would have it because they get it on both sides is either Matt Martin or Maria Hatton. Remember, they are both people of color, so they sit on the Black Caucus. I wanna say Maria is part of the Latino Caucus. They are both on the Progressive Caucus. They have wards that have Black folks, but they have a mixed ward. And so they get it on all levels how we can work together. And what I've seen both of those people do in these spaces, and don't get me wrong, you got a couple of coworkers that don't like either, but they talked about Jesus. What, what? Oh, well, join the club, we got jackets. But I feel like those two people are in enough caucuses and enough spaces to be able to bring us, because we need a floor leader that brings us together and gets us to hash it out and make sure that we're making policy and we're passing stuff that does not help one set of folks, but hurt the other. So like the thing with one fair wage, the things with all of the things that are happening, which I don't know why the federal minimum wage is $3. I don't know why the federal government hasn't given us a cost of living increase. There are some things that the federal government could have done. But I also feel like the restaurant business feels like they're getting beat up. And so how are we mending all of these things together? Yeah, we need to tax the rich. They could afford it. There has to be some carve outs in the things we've done. And I think they've starting to do some of those works because I promise you, I've said on a bunch of things that until you get those two groups of people together that are into it, I don't want no parts of it and I'm not voting on it at all. And so in some instances it has worked, but I also see those two as being the people who could be the face and say, let's bring everybody together. Mm -hmm. It won't be a black thing. It won't be a white thing. It won't be a Latino thing. It won't be an Asian thing. It won't be a Jew. It, it'll, it would be people. How do we get our people to work together? And so that, that would be my recommendation when it comes to this, because those are the people that I kind of see like, and they have to be creative because of who they are as people. Yeah. And, and both of them, uh, you, I think you were on the stage with Maria Hatton uh, at the uh, promontory once. Uh, I was. Yeah, I remember that. We had you on stage with her. Mm -hmm. uh, and both Maria Hatton and Matt Martin, I know this because I've interviewed them. They're like the opposite of me. I get all emotional, red in the face. And, <laughs> you know, and they're very calm. And they always, they just take it to a different level. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're um, conciliators uh, in, in a way that I'm not. I recognize the strength they have. Absolutely. A strength uh, that you will know I have. Yeah. <laughs> Remember you start that yabba yabba, your ass gonna get cussed out, and that will be the end. And that's not yeah. what we need. Like, and I'm not and I'm not saying I'm that person. Yeah. And so no to floor leader, no to a lot of things. Cause two things are important to me. 
I'm not going to lead people down a black hole and I'm not going to be led down a black hole. But this is a difference between uh, where we are now politically and where we were under Daly. Uh, so follow me in that and under Rom. Uh, it's a different age. So mayors then were bullies. They were open. They were just bullies. And that, and, and mayor Lori Lightfoot carried that tradition on and it didn't work. Things have changed. Absolutely. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know. She apologized yet. Got off the floor. And went into, okay. Jeanette Taylor's face. It was an ugly scene. It was embarrassing. And, um, I just feel like uh, we're in a new place, uh, Jeanette. People don't take it, put up with it like they used to anymore. Like, I don't need this job. I'm yeah. Listen, I'm exhausted. When people ask me how I'm doing, I say I work for the city. <laughs> that's, that's my answer. How you doing? I work for the city. Yeah. I should not be this exhausted. I should not be this tired. We're not using our best assets when it comes to this, which is our communities. Like, this is what pisses me off. We will bring everybody together so we can get behind a candidate. And then we get there and we forget that it was the community that got us there. Yeah. I'm on the phone sometimes to one and two o'clock in the morning, listen to people tell me what I ain't doing, what I am doing. You should do this, you should do that. And I listen to every last one of them. Sometimes with a critique, like remember that I'm human and that I'm a person and watch how you talk to me. Cause I will cut you off and I will put your ass on the block list real fast for my peace. But I also don't forget that these are the same people who got up off their ass to go to a box and click my name. And so a part of this is thankless. This is a thankless job. But you gotta have people around you who check you, who tell you, Alderwoman Taylor, let me tell you how this hurts me. Like this whole thing with the sanctuary city, we are setting ourselves up for some BS. Don't get me wrong. And it's funny that people who voted on the shit they voted on now wanna ask the people. No, you wanna ask the people now because you're running for the next office. Yeah. You want to ask the people now because that's what looks good for you. But let's look at your past. And not to say that people don't change, but Dalmatians don't change their spots. And so I ain't fooled with your new rhetoric. That's what you use so you can stay in office and stay comfortable. Are you speaking to someone in particular? You know who I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> I believe it that. You, you know who exactly who I'm talking about, <laughs> which I find hilarious that people will even consider some of these, some of the same people who sat by and, and love to get up and say, it wasn't the city, it wasn't the city council that, that, that closed the schools. It was CPS. Who had the power? If the city council wanted to do some, you best to believe they'd have brought that shit up in an ordinance. We'd have had a whole meeting on it. It'd be a special call. Don't give me that bullshit. Say that for somebody else who don't understand. Oh, first of all, they didn't even have a hearing. I don't think the city council had a and hearing. And they did nothing. I, oh, yeah. absolutely. They did nothing. They, not even a hearing. <laughs> like we talk, when Mayor Which Rump is why the education committee now has no power. The city council has no power over CPS. And so we do stuff. Literally, there are subject matter hearings. And what power really do we have? But y'all yeah. let the previous mayors do that. So... 
No, and now, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, you don't get uh, the we, hell up out of here. Somebody, I just want to make it clear. Make it clear that your ass didn't say he and made some bad decisions. And now all of a sudden, the roosters have come home to roast. Now you're trying to clear yourself. <laughs> Shut your ass up. No, I believe uh, in, uh, for the sake of transparency, as people like to use that word in the city, that every alderman, uh, who voted one way and behaved one way under Mayor Daley or Mayor Rahm uh, or Mayor Lightfoot and now is talking differently uh, under Mayor Johnson should begin his or her address at the council by acknowledging that. I believe that. Because when Let me we tell do you the what I believe. Go ahead. They kiss the ring of everybody at the fifth floor. But because the fifth floor now don't need you, because they got the votes, now you got all this to say. Now you ain't a part of the clique. Now you yeah. ain't one of the cool kids. <laughs> now you on the outs with your community because your community trying to figure out, well, if they have meetings on a monthly basis, why don't you? Yeah. Why when they have hearings, you're nowhere to be found. So you got to make yourself look good like you actually do something. You can tell <laughs> by their wards. You can tell by the people when they ward. When you come to the 20th, you'll hear people from all over the 20th yeah, everybody over the water talks shit about me, but you also have people all over the 20th who talk good about me, who volunteer, who come to my office, who stand with me, who challenge me, but will also say, I understand what you did. Where they people at always. Um, so, all right, let's get down to something you're doing for the ward, uh, the civics lesson. And uh, this has to do with the tax increment financing program. Oh, people stay awake now. That's, that's why the program works, because you fall asleep, Chicago, as soon as you hear the words. It's like you hear those words. But I know why, because the people who at the city who actually run them, they're just confused as the people who actually want to say how they spent on. That's why. You remember, I had to call you. Yes. You remember that? I, I remember that that conversation clearly when I first got in office. We had had the conversation way before, but I remember getting here and go, Ben, oh. what they gave me and explained to me just does not make sense. No, it doesn't and make sense. I don't sense. know why they're importing these dollars when they need them in the communities that they actually come from. I don't understand it. So there's so much ignorance about the TIF program and most, most of that Intentional, ignorance. though. Intentional, exactly. It's advanced by the powers that be in the city to keep you stupid, to keep you dumb, keep you in the dark. No, you keep to continue to do what they want to do with taxpayer money. Yes. That's what it is. Yes. Some of these little fancy-ass projects and other wars that are don't have TIF districts or either don't have enough money to fund their projects so that people, other than people who are from Chicago, actually own these businesses and institutions that we pay for with our damn tax dollars and then tell us what they are and are not going to do. Absolutely. Basically. And so just so you know this, Chicagoans that are listening to this and people outside of Chicago as well, no matter where you live in the city of Chicago, as soon as a TIF district is created anywhere in the city of Chicago, your tax dollars go up. If you live in the 20th ward, you're paying extra taxes for a TIF on the north side. Absolutely. If you live in Anthony Beal's ninth ward, you're paying extra taxes for a TIF in Brian Hopkins' second ward. You know, there was so much confusion. I remember when they were doing the red line extension and aldermen were getting up and going, well, they're spending money from my TIF for a train that'll help the ninth ward. I don't know why I should allow this. I'm like, well, the ninth you, ward's been paying your taxes. Oh, now who built the Wind Trust Theater? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's a ball. I'll wait. I got time today. The 20th Ward did. 
and the ninth ward, and the 47th, every ward in the city of Chicago. It's a tax hike, people. That we still have to pay for tickets. So every time I go to see a concert at the Wind Trust, I always say, why am I repaying for this ticket? I paid for it already. Yeah, I paid, paid for the Wind Trust to be built. So why do I have to pay for a ticket? We should be walking in there for free. Yes. But I digress. Yeah, digress, but I like that digression. Anyway, so uh, there's a Washington Park TIF uh, district uh, in uh, Jeanette's ward, in Alderman Taylor's ward, Alderman Taylor's ward. Uh, I know all about this TIF district. I won't give you the history of people, but this was the TIF that was going to fund the Olympic Stadium uh, that Mayor Daly wanted to build. That would have been in uh, about 2016 Olympics. So they spent, Mm -hmm. this is before, Jeanette Taylor was an older woman when she was an activist on a hunger strike for money to be. They had money for a stadium in Washington. They didn't have Park, money for the schools. But did not have money for. As a matter of fact, let me tell you a quick story. Yeah. I had just learned about Coco and started doing LSC trainings with them when they protested on the Olympic Committee. So people, why they y'all talking shit about all the woman Taylor and Coco? Coco is the reason why we ain't got no Olympic field. It's the reason why our communities are not destroyed because that's what happens to everybody that gets the Olympics after they leave. So no. y'all can thank us later. You you you, you can thank us later. No, you should thank them. They were one of the few people that it, uh, Pat Hill, shout out Pat Hill, may he rest in peace. Uh, she was on the front lines of the fight against uh, the Olympics as well. There were very few people who were willing to stick their neck out. And I Absolutely. get the smoke cleared, the, the Kenwood Oakland Community Organization was the only organization who did the protest when all these other people agree, because of course they 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 believe in the thing of strong mayor, weak council. They knew that the 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 they the local the city council wasn't gonna do nothing. No. And so the community stood up, but They'll tell you otherwise. Oh, it's 50 to nothing in the city council to give Mayor Daly a blank check on the Olympics. A blank check. It was 50 These to nothing. These same people who are now on the, on the floor saying that they're progressive and that they <laughs> love their people and that they're yeah. trying to do right by the community and we should ask the community. Why the hell was y'all to ask the community when they was trying to get that fucking money up for those Olympics? No, they same didn't thing want to ask with the casino. Y'all better don't get me started uh, on these people. 50 to nothing was the vote. 50 to nothing, mm. ladies and gentlemen. I remember it well. Uh, and uh, Scotty Wagisback in the 32nd uh, Ward was thinking about voting no, and Richard Mel said, they will kill you if you vote no. <laughs> you you talk about abusive behavior in the city council floor. To, I, he said, they will kill you. And he meant, like, kill, kill. Absolutely. They, so, he, he, he meant what he said. Uh, so anyway, there's a project in the ward, and uh, you're going to put it to vote. Uh I don't know if I've ever seen this. I've been following TIFFs in the city of Chicago for a long time. Actually give the people a vote. Uh, So uh, explain what's going on and uh, go ahead. So when I first ran for office in 2018, what I clearly heard on the doors, because I knocked 80% of my own doors the first time that I was elected. I even started knocking doors before the election was even thought of, which is how I was able to win in a race of 21 people. But what I heard was people saying that they were tired of coming home and noticing new developments come up and there were no conversation and that the alderman at the time or the, and the previous alderman have decided how the TIF dollars were going to be spent. And so I myself and my staff created a process around asking people to vote on how they wanted their TIF dollars to spend. And so basically I have a community development team and that is 15 people that I didn't know before I got into office. So there's some real accountability there. 
um, to help me make development decisions. You know how people are. A developer could come talk to me, and if I'm having a bad day, the hell with his project. Or maybe he knows somebody in the community, he's connected to somebody, and I either like that person or don't. We know how they pay to play in the city of Chicago. I don't, I'm not that alderman, and I wasn't going to be that alderman. So I've created a space. Not only do you go to these 15 people and have the initial conversation, you have to have two community meetings where you got to have more than 50 people on the ward say that they agree that you spend these tip dollars. It hasn't worked as well as I wanted to because A, COVID hit, and B, usually the, the people at the planning department and the DOH really don't agree with this. They like being the end all, but then will ask me to, to sign off on a project that they did all the work to where the community had no say so. I don't operate that way. And so in order to get TIF dollars from me or to get support on big projects, you have to go through a community, a community process. And so Sunshine Enterprises is now they want to build a community center. They were originally based in Woodlawn, but they've done work in Washington Park and want to be built in Washington Park. And so in order for them to get, for me to get a letter of support for me to say that you can get TIF dollars and that you can get this land, the people in, Wood, in Washington Park have to say they agree with this. And it ain't no one or two people, it's a community at home. And so they actually have to show the ID, a voter's registration card, and they, they are voting process. So right now, Sunshine Enterprises is in the process of getting the community to vote that I give them a letter of support, A, for the land that's in Washington Park, and B, for TIF dollars. Mm. And where would the project go? If they want it to be on 61st and King Drive. Mm. What people don't understand is, so it all, it's all this talk about where there are three community organizations and we got a park district on King Drive. First of all, those other two organizations have not finished building their product. And B, who the hell is going to the park district? Nobody. I can't get, I got 3,500 lots in my ward. And when I go find developers, because I seek out people, me and my staff, we're real organizers. So we're seeking out people to develop in our community. And the first thing they'll say is, well, you have nothing fun. You have no activities for families. So why would you expect us to build here and families to come here if you have nothing for them to do? And of course, it's a lot of folks who've been in the community for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. They don't like anything. So they go, no, we don't want it. Well, what's the alternative? Of course, they never have one. And so to make this as transparent as possible and to make it a process that the community is actually involved in, we have this process. Well, um, I it's the first I know for TIFs. I know like um, some aldermen do the budgets they get, the discretionary budget they get for a million dollars. A TIF is a bigger thing, bigger chunk of change. Absolutely. Uh, and so it's like up in your game. Uh, and, and now I've because never, my yeah. ward has gotten bigger, so now I'm in High Park, now I'm in Fuller Park, I have all Washington Park. Yeah. That gives us more TIF dollars. And so there are a lot of things that people are coming to me saying, I want to see this, I want to see that, I want to see this. Well, as a community, we need to talk about it. Well, and, you're, and here's the deal with TIFs. And, and, and Jenna, I'm going to teach you the Walter Burnett lesson. So Walter Burnett's the alderman of the 27th Ward. Uh, and he used to be, his ward used to be concentrated uh, in Cabrini Green, the old uh, high-rise complex on the near north side of Chicago. And I believe Walter Burnett grew up in uh, Cabrini Green. So uh, anyway, uh, the city, in its infinite wisdom, tore down Cabrini Green. And when they tore down Cabrini Green and moved all the poor people out, uh, 
the land accelerated in value tremendously. Some mm-hmm. of the biggest gentrification in the city of Chicago right, occurred. It was, the in new downtown. it was the new downtown. And when you have TIF, when you have TIF zones, which they did in that area, TIF districts in that area, mm-hmm. that's called gentrification. And TIF, the money that comes into a TIF district is created by the rise in value. Suddenly they moved the poor people out. Walter Burnett is sitting on so much tip dollars. It's unbelievable. And I remember being on the Mays Jackson show. He was one time he invited me. I don't think he'll ever invite me back, but whatever. He invited me on his show and he goes, Walter Burnett is brilliant at the tip game. I'm going, no, he's not. He just happens to be sitting on. Ch- <laughs> no one. You know what, Mays? You're yeah, he's brilliant on the tip game. Cause he know how to port him and make him work for his community. Well, he's. But why was that not? His- Absolutely. But. Let's talk about what happened to that community. It's gentrified, and none of the people who stayed in Cabrini Green actually could afford to live there now. Well, that's called progress. I got it in quotes. That's not progress. That's not progress. That's gentrification. Yes. Using people that look like us to do it. That's what yes. that is. But and, I digress. Uh, but you're going to get so much TIF money if Woodlawn continues to rise in value. If there's gentrification on the south side of Chicago, those TIF, I don't know when they expire. Suddenly, you'll be like the new Walter Burnett. No, I won't ever be the Walter Burnett. You know why? Because there are two reasons. My community is going to hold me accountable. That's number one. And the things that they see in their community are actually things that they want. Yes, I have some ideas. Yes, there are some things that I would projects that I want to see happen. But at the end of the day, my community is at the table with me. See, this is the thing, the difference between me and a lot of them. I'm fighting for my community and with my community. And yes, it's longer. It's harder. There are some days that, hell, I don't get to sleep to two or three o'clock in the morning because my brain don't shut off. But what people won't be able to say is there was not an opportunity for the community to come to the table and voice their opinions and say what they wanted to see. And see, when you bring the community in on the front end, they will fight for it. They will be a part of it. These institutions won't fail. Why? Because people were at the beginning of what happened. And so they are supported. They'll be a part of it. We're going about this the wrong way. But remember, I'm just the organizer. I'm just the mama. They won't, you know, different. Well, I give you a lot of uh, love and appreciation for setting up that uh, that voting mechanism. I Again, I haven't seen it. I've been following tips in the city since 87, 1987, ladies. We'll just pause and think about that. I'm old. Uh, and I I don't recall seeing something like this. So when I saw it on your Instagram page, I was you must have some millennial or Z person doing that Instagram. <laughs> I know that's not you doing it. So uh, it is not me, but I know how to. I had to before I got somebody. But yeah, but that was a conversation. But see, yeah. that's also how I see my team. They don't work for me. They work for the constituents of the 21. They are my coworkers. Yeah. And so I'm not sitting at the table dictating. I'm working with them. These people got degrees. They've had their lives experience. And I bring them to the table to work with me. I look yep. at this different. I'm not the end all be all. That's not how this is supposed to work. And that's why we're in this predicament. It's why people act the way they do when they get these seats. They lose their damn mind. That's not what this is for me. I'm here because God told me to be here, number one. Now, I asked him for a rich husband and make a million numbers. He ain't that prayer. I'm still on the main line for that one. But I'm not going to not include my community. Well, what people need to understand is because this is new and people are not used to being at the table, they're used to the, the selected few people having to say so, and that's the end all. That's not how it's going to work in 20. 
Well, uh, shout out to 20th Ward uh, for having that uh, initiative. It's just the start, I hope, and I expect. And I hope that uh, that billion-dollar lottery ticket comes your way. I know you've been dreaming about that one for a while. Uh, and uh, I even got into it last. I don't remember. Years ago, I was a gambler, Jeanette, and I stopped because it was like, I was like, I'm going to lose everything I have because this is a disease, ladies and gentlemen. It really is. But the guys with my friends, we bought, we went in for the uh, lottery ticket when it was over. I think it was like, I forget how many billions it was. And of course, we didn't win. But could you imagine if I had won? I'd have split it with my four best friends. I mean, like, <laughs> oh, listen, I will be giving my staff their percentage because in the next six months to a year, I'm leaving. I'm going over to Africa. I'm building me a house, and that's where I'm going to live. I'll have a house here for my kids who don't want to come so they have somewhere to stay. It's paid for, and I'm out. You're going to Africa? Absolutely. Wow. I'm out. I'll, I'll go to Los Angeles. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> you, you, you owe to more colonization and more capitalism because that's what the United States, I've had enough of America. Let me just say this. I, I've just had enough. And I tell people all the time when I visited Ghana for the first time yeah, in 2013 Ghana. and I went to Cape Cod Castle, I had a fit when I went to the quarters. I went to the door no return. I went to the women's quarters because... I didn't get to choose my, my people, people that look like me. We didn't get to choose whether we wanted to stay in Africa mm-hmm. or America and America ain't been good to me as a black woman. I ain't listened to I'm disrespected. I'm over sexualized at every step in my life. And no matter how many degrees or how much work I do to some of y'all, I ain't nothing but a bitch or a let's just call this what it is. I'm never the woman who's worked and organized and protest protected my community has fought for schools and fought for everybody it still is never enough for this country. And I've just, I've had it. I've I've had it. I'm at the space where now my piece is important to me. I'm a Nana of two. I got two grandbabies. Yes, I got a great, that's right. That's who I love. My kids are flourishing. They are regular everyday citizens who try and get up every day. And that's all I want. I hope what people take from me is that you, we don't have to go alone to get along putting the people first. And that's why I'm a socialist. And I get shit for that all the time. And let me tell you why I'm a socialist. Because I believe in people power. But what we've done is we pick and choose who we listen to instead of listening to everybody. Well, let me ask you this. Do you like the ocean? I do. So you gotta come Whenever I'm upset or whenever I'm having a day or whenever yeah. this city hall is crazy, I know. my staff takes me to Lakeshore Drive and I find a space either on 39th, somewhere along that lake. I might go yeah. by Larabita. I might even go on 63rd Street and I just look at the water. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm the same way, Jeanette. I, the older I get, the more I'm drawn to the water. Absolutely. And uh, it's something about the ocean. I've discovered the ocean because mm-hmm. my kids all live in Cali. So I visit her all the time. And it's just there's the waves. I, yeah, when I was in Africa, mm-hmm. I stayed off uh, Cocoa Beach. And I went to the I went to the ocean and I cried. I sat there. I didn't move. And of course, my husband at the time was looking at me, and I was just like, "I just need an hour." I was like, "You don't know what this this water is. What connects us? Yeah. This water is the reason why I'm not born and raised in Ghana. This mm-hmm. water is the reason my people thought it would be better to drown themselves instead of living in bondage. Like this water, this this ocean means everything to me. And right now, it's just the spirit of that water changes." It, it changes what happens to it, what's underneath it. Think about it. The only people 
who have been, who have the only things that have been in this world since the beginning of time are who? Shark and fish. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Because of the war. Well, we see eye to eye in that. And I remember when you went to Ghana, you the Facebook stuff you put out, I, I, I didn't think you were coming back. Uh, if I didn't have kids yeah. and a grandbaby and a mother, if my if I thought I could get my mother on a plane, my mother was like Mr. T. We would have had to tranquilize her to get her on a plane. If I thought I could have got my mother and family over to Ghana, that's where I would be. Well, uh, you might be able to get them over to Los Angeles. It's a little closer. Uh, that might be. <laughs> well, listen, my mother was from Mississippi, down okay. south. They moved from Mississippi to Decatur. They actually had a farm. My grandfather was a traveling preacher. When my mother came to Chicago, it was nothing you could do to get her from Chicago. And no matter how bad the conditions was, my mother was pregnant with my brother in the biggest storm that we've ever had in Chicago history. And she walked home because the bus could not move. There was a love that my mother had for this city and I understand it because I feel it too. And when I was in Ghana, every time I went, while I was upset of what I was coming back to, I was coming back to the home that I knew. I was coming back to where my family roots were, were, were planted. I was coming back to a place where, I tried, where it's chaos is also is what's comfortable to me. But I also felt that when I was in Ghana, I felt like I had, and my friend told me, she was like, the minute you get off the plane, it's going to be this feeling come over you that you've been here before. And I was laughing at her like, lady, you old. That's, that's what you think. But that's what happens. I no. came from there in the wintertime. So I had to take all my coats and boots because I'm burning up. And of course, everybody on the plane is like, she must ain't ever been here before. Because she got on a whole coat and boots because I'm coming from fucking Chicago with snow. And so when I got there, it was this feeling that came over me. Like this was home. And I I just, every time I go, I feel it. And so that's what it is for me. You know, it's funny. It's when the reverse, when you go back to Chicago, it's... It's so it's like real. I, that's so. Let me tell you, that's why where one of my famous saying is, "I hate it here." That's where it came from. My first time coming back to Chicago, I was like, "I'm looking around. It's all busy now. I got to try to get from the airport to home. It's snowing here. Yeah. I got all, I'm like, I hate it here. Yeah, I just I was not happy. I was I was just oh, I was so ungrateful. Yeah, if, if, if you that's what you want to call it, oh. I was just ungrateful. But it was because. I was free there. I wasn't on anybody's time. How they looked at life, simple things. I think we've overcomplicated this world. I know we have. Yeah. Like we're in glo- we're in a global pandemic because what? Because we ain't took care of Mother Earth. Yeah. We ain't took care of each other. We've created all of this chaos, and we gonna pay for it. That's uh, as good a spot as any to leave it. I'm I'm tearing up just thinking about. Uh, looking at the ocean uh maybe one day i'll go visit jeanette in ghana uh i'm building uh, another house for people who want to come visit and just to learn and just to see about it i'm building another house next to it so that people can you are more than welcome to come because we just what i what i can appreciate about this we've come a long way from where we started but I feel like in these last couple of years, we're digressing and we're not changing. We're going back to the same old ways. We there, were, There's even talk. So I know you see TikTok. I know you see Instagram about us going back to slavery. Like, are y'all serious? Y'all going to get the revolution and it will be televised mm-hmm. if we go back to this way. But a lot of these things that they're implementing and that in D.C., a lot of work that they are not doing is causing all this. We've forgotten what it meant to be to be servants of our people. 
All right. Uh, the Revolution will be televised. It's a twist on a song. Uh, all right. Very good. Thank you very much, Jeanette Taylor. And uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. It's been too long. And I'm, so I'm going to work you in once a month. JT time. Sounds good. On Ben Jarofsky's show. All right. That's the great Jeanette Taylor. I also want to thank producer Chris. He does an outstanding job. And Jeanette Thanks, Taylor Chris. agrees with me when I say this. Hey, producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. Take care, Jeanette. And remember, you can always catch up on previous Ben Jarofsky shows. Get Benny J bonus interviews. Check out those columns written by Ben Jarofsky. And there's a bunch of columns, too, written by other reader writers that you want to know. So head to chicagoreader.com for all that and more. Follow Ben Jarofsky on Instagram at Benny J Show. And like and subscribe to The Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.